Good evening and welcome to the Short Story Book Club for November. Um, this month we're looking at The Circle and the Equator by Kyra Georgie, published by UWA Publishing in 2017. Um, this collection won the 2017 Steel Rudd Award for a short story collection, which um, has been won by people like, I think it was one that Susan Medali was shortlisted for mm -hmm. previously. Um, it's been won by, gosh, I'm totally blanking on some of the names, but a lot, lot of um, Australia's best short fiction writers have won or been shortlisted or longlisted for that award. So it's a pretty big honour for this little book. Um, and I'm joined today by Yvette, Kath and Rita. And we're going to be talking about this collection for the next 40 minutes or so. So... Um, first of all, I'd like to start by finding out what people's general impressions of the collection were, um, whether you liked it overall or um, whether you weren't particularly impressed. Um, Yvette, would you like to start? Sure, yeah. Um, hello. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I was impressed because I happened to know the author a little bit when she was younger, so I'm like, wow, she writes really well. And um, yeah, I found like each story was quite different, even though there's this theme about health or, you know, disease, basically, mm. throughout the stories. Um, yeah, I felt like each story was kind of very interesting. And, yeah, so overall I found it, found the stories pretty engaging. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a little bit gross, but <laughs> other than that. Yeah. Kath, what about you? Well, I found the collection itself quite dense. Like, I think she's, you know, sometimes collections can be quite light on with mm. a few good stories and a few weaker ones, but I thought, that they're all quite strong stories and really um, although there was some connecting themes that the, they were very diverse yeah. like she used different um, writing styles, different um, personas, different tenses and I thought that was really interesting. It, it, at times I felt it was a bit like a, a, there was a bit more of a writing exercise feel to it because yeah. they were so, they were so diverse and so um, yeah, and so well constructed that I, yeah, but but overall I really enjoyed them and I thought that this was just an amazing collection of short stories from a first time author. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Rita, what about you? Yeah, I mean I was impressed by the breadth mm, yeah. uh, of the short stories um, and by the fact that she's obviously drawn on her research background mm. to write them um, because when you look at them you know she obviously can't have experienced these things no. herself and um, yeah I was fascinated how I mean I would like to hear how she uh, transformed that you know sort of research stuff mm. which probably was pretty dry and academic yeah. into something that was um, you know, uh, successful short stories. I thought that they were all uh, pretty successful. I think I read the first one in about the um, the child who uh, was bombed in Angola. Oh, yeah. In, yeah. In, um, I read it somewhere. I think in Overland, mm. and I oh. think that's when the um, when the book came out. That's what made me interested in uh, in. Uh, buying it mm. um, and, and I'm interested in short stories that use historical yeah. themes um, sometimes I think though that you know uh, I wonder if 
the historical theme is actually necessary for the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, this is not a story that we're going to talk about, but the story number 12, Salam, which is uh, about a, well, a middle-aged man at least, uh, or perhaps older in Algeria, who had been involved in the Algerian Revolution, mm-hmm. and how he um, ends up using Chinese medicine to help uh, an in- to help him cope with an injury. Mm. I sort of thought at the end of it, yeah, it's interesting, and it's interesting, and she does weave in his background, but really, is does the historical thing add all that much to it? Yeah, it could I mean, have taken place but, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that that was would have been my own is my only caveat about mm. some of the stories. Mm. Uh, but I think you know she's a fabulous writer. I wish I could write. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I think we found that about quite a few of the the books that we've done on the program this year. They're all very accomplished Australian writers that we've looked at. Um, can I make another yeah. comment? Uh, I was also interested in the fact that I mean, when you go to um, workshops for writing, they always say, um, "Don't show, don't tell, show." Yeah. But I was interested in the fact that. You know, in, there's a, there's an, there isn't a lot of dialogue in his stories, no. is there? Um, and um, that's an interesting... I, yeah. I found interesting, and I found that they still worked, mm-hmm. um, worked very well. Mm-hmm. So I must go back and read it and see how she made that work. Perhaps that comes from the fact that she is really... Um, well versed in her material Um, I mean history is what she's got her PhD in from La Trobe University and she's lived all over the world from the looks of it, Perth, Melbourne Scotland, Portugal, Turkey, Germany that sort of thing is reflected in in the breadth of the collection as a whole but but lots of people have got depth of academic knowledge but can't translate it so there's something something a bit innate not as successful anyway no (laughs) Um, so, Yvette, you mentioned that one of the themes was about disease and illness. Yeah. Are there any other themes that we were noticing cropping up again and again through the collection that maybe tie the collection together? Well, I mean, I think the theme of um, sort of dis- political disruption and revolution mm. is pretty yep. strong um, there. And, you know, the impact on that has on people... Um, I think all of those stories have got that as well, mm-hmm. and often the 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 suffering and the disease obviously comes out of that. Mm-hmm. And maybe the they've focused on ordinary people, like ordinary citizens, mm. and the impacts of the disruption on, mm. on them. But um, human, obviously, in human relationships. There's elements of friendships and. Mm. Um, like fam- fam- family relationships, partners. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I mean, I was thinking more along the lines of the body, but now that you've said health and disease, I think that's probably a more accurate way of thinking about it. But it wasn't something that occurred to me as I was reading yeah, it. Me too. Um, it was something that you know, as I was sitting down to write notes for this book club, I was thinking about just certain things that happened, like in that first story, The Circle and the Equator, the young girl pulling shrapnel out of her body. And in the the story um, August, which is about um, a doctor who uh, treated some of the victims of the, the Hiroshima bombings, he was injecting his own blood 
mm. into the woman that he was treating because he felt a, a connection with her and he'd heard somewhere that maybe blood transfusions might help. Just, you know, sort of mm. odd and, and, like you said, maybe a little bit gross um, things to do with the body that, yeah, it almost gave it an unreal sort of feeling, the way that she talked about these things. But it wasn't magic and it wasn't magical realism. No. It was it was just a bit no, surreal. No, it's, it's sort of very grounded in yeah. history, actually, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. I don't think there's any instance in the book of um, of sorcery or witchcraft or anything being used. Um, no, I don't think she's no. that kind of... Well, in this book, anyway. She's no, not, not in this book. But they are, I, I would say, quirky. Yes. Um, quirky aspects of health and disease. You know, the... Yeah, the the Mulu's the woman who's yeah. taking the masks of the illnesses and the injuries to mm. preserving wax for the purposes of medical teaching. Yeah, I mean that's a. I mean I'm sure that was probably historical, historically accurate. but yeah. it was quite a quirky and unusual take topic. On, yeah, yeah, take yeah. On did Did you know about that practice before you read the story? No, no, we had to look it up when we saw the title. We thought, okay, we're gonna we're gonna look this up um, before we read the story, so that we actually know what's going on. Yeah. And I had never heard. I had to that look it up as well, before. actually. Yeah. So I was thinking, well, I better find out what it is. I thought maybe it's in a different language. Like, it is a French word. It's French, yes. Yeah. So. so they're in they're in Balma in in France. Okay. Yeah. Um, I had to look up that as well. But I think <laughs> if I if I'd read it without looking that up, I would have thought this is a medical practice that she's invented for the purpose of yeah. the story. Okay. Okay. Um, but I, I suppose they probably did learn a lot from uh, these casts that they made of the of the wounds and things. Mm. Okay, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I looked up what it was, but I didn't look up if it's historically true that yeah, they it were is. doing that. Okay. Um, yeah. and, and a lot of the people doing that were, were women because yeah. injured soldiers felt more comfortable with, with somebody who was in like a nurse's role rather than, okay. than a man um, ministering to their wounds in their body and so that would mean that like in this story um often the young woman would be modeling um venereal disease as well as shrapnel wounds and things like that which is not a position that a genteel young woman wants to be in at that time it's probably not good for her reputation for people to know she's doing that sort of medical work Mm -hmm. yeah and as we see in that story it's not particularly good for the relationship with her husband because he feels a bit threatened yeah, but on the other hand, she was an artist model. She yeah. started off. So artist models, um, you know, generally were not, were generally women more or less on the margins, mm. weren't they, mm. in late 19th okay. century. And sometimes prostitutes, but... Yeah, sometimes often. prostitutes, but not women from well-to-do families, usually. Usually no. they were women who came from the countryside, worked as maids and okay. did mm. domestic work, that kind of thing. But I thought it was also interesting that crossover with art because the husband was a sculptor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how so, he lost his, and like his career was in a sense voice. that's, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a source of conflict as much as the fact that he sort of suspects that she's got some relationship yeah. with these. The mm-hmm. story kind of marries the idea that his loss of income mm-hmm. while she's the the main breadwinner. And the sense of him being cuckolded by mm. the man that she's working on, mm. yep. um, and his sort of the threat to his masculinity that comes from that mm. change in their in their power balance. Mm. But he's a bit of a hypocrite, really, because I mean, it's okay for him to draw her when she's an artist's model and not yep. his wife, but it's not okay for her to do her job. Mm. And he doesn't trust that 
she can do the right thing, whereas he can be trusted. Um, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily see it as so black and white. No. Uh, I just think it's that sort of sort of shifting mm. roles and shifting uh, power relationships, you know, that makes it difficult for both of them. Yeah. I, I wouldn't necessarily see him as a hypocrite. You no. Know, although, yeah, I mean, there is that as well, but... He was a product of his time yeah. also, yeah. Um, and I don't think any of the stories take a particularly strong stance on any of the issues they write about. No, no, she and she's not moralistic. No, no. it's no. like a portrait of a particular time yeah. and, and place rather than um, a statement mm. on something, um, which I found at times um, meant that I didn't really understand what I was supposed to take away from the story and I didn't have that sense of closure. Um, still appreciated the beautiful language and, you know, mm. being taken to a very specific time and place in terms of setting but I wasn't 100% sure what had happened and sometimes that's good um, like in that first story the circle in the equator um, they mention that Tercero disappears but never tell you what happened and I've just assumed he's probably dead it's Cuba he's probably been killed for some sort of political crime but she doesn't set up mm. an answer to that it's mm. sort of you read between the lines and, and bring what, whatever it is that you know about the time and place or whatever it is that you have read between the lines to, to your own interpretation but at other times I sort of read the story and went okay I'm lost okay yeah mm. are you more used to books giving a direction because I guess I just I kind of feel like it's just showing you mm. like set, telling the, the story at that time or that and then leaving you I mean I'm a that. fan of the open-ended short story but I think these ones uh, were more of a snapshot and they didn't have the, the usual plot structure begin, middle, ending. Okay, so yeah. I needed a bit more signposting to sort of point me what yeah. I was supposed to be thinking. And maybe that also had to do with not knowing some of the political and historical contexts for these pieces. Um, obviously I knew like the First World War and the Hiroshima bombing and things like that, but the other ones, if I didn't look it up beforehand, those were the ones I was more lost. Mm. Yeah, I didn't mind that in mm. that um, mm. that Molleux, what, what, what is it called? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I uh, thought that was a good ending, actually, that he yeah, went to the, remember he got to another town. That was one of the, more, to the, the more strong endings. Yeah. yeah. Well, he um, thinks he saw it. Yeah. He doesn't know for sure. sure. Yeah, that okay. was probably one of the, the better endings, it leaves a very clear impression, and that's why I've chosen that one to talk about, because it, it stuck with me. A couple yeah. of weeks later, some of the other ones have sort of blended together. Yeah, but yeah these I like three the complexity of that. that yes. One. Yeah. I found I was a bit lost with uh, August. Yeah. I got myself a bit confused about which woman he was with. The Hiroshima one. Yeah, the Hiroshima one. Because um, it goes back and forward in time, yeah, doesn't it? I think he's with her, with with his wife. He's with but his wife. Goes mm. back to. The I was other confused one. in the beginning as well. Who Sorry. I was confused as well about. Because he's got a he's a, got this standoffish relationship with mm. one lady, but then yeah. flashes back yeah. to another lady. Yeah. Kind of, I kind of yeah. presume for half the story that it was the same lady. Yeah, and then you work that's out what I was doing different too. Lady. It also says um, Hiroshima, Japan, nineteen fifty two, and then talks about the woman being in her house and something happening yeah. and her going outside yeah. and and I remember my partner and I were reading it together and I remember saying. 
what is this referring to, thinking that that part was in 1952, but that part was yeah, obviously that, 1945. That was and yeah. it was later on that yeah. he's thinking back that we're yeah. in 1952. Yeah. But yeah. that confused me a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah that, that one has a very detached sort of feel to it as well. Like both points of view are seeing things at a distance because it's painful. Um, just things like, you know, she doesn't go back into the wreckage to search for her parents, but there's no description of her grief. It's just a fact mm. that her parents were at the kitchen table and they're probably dead. Mm. Yes, yeah. but I think in those circumstances you probably, yeah, grief would... Yeah, <laughs> it's, it would come beyond grief. That sounds a terrible thing to say. No, I understand. It's so destructive. There would be a, certainly be a role that shock would play in the situation. Yeah, I mean, I think some of, like, August, I really feel I need to go back and read it again, mm -hmm. you know. I sort of, I read them and I went on because I wanted to finish. Yeah, yeah same. So did you all read the story, uh, the stories sequentially as they appeared in the book or did you come back and pick them up later, read other things in between or...? Yeah, I read them sequentially. I'm only halfway mm -hmm. through, but luckily I covered the stories yeah. I think about. <laughs> yeah, I just thought I may as well read them in order, but yeah. there's no definite doesn't seem to be a doesn't they don't need to be read in order yeah right? I think no I, I find the the selections that people make about what stories go where really fascinating because most people will read a collection of short stories like a novel from cover to cover I've only come across a few people who will read them sort mm. of out of order or just pick a random page and start reading mm. so it must be a very deliberate decision choosing the order to go in mm. um, but it's not uh, chronological I've yeah. had other collections that I've read that um, go chronologically through time. This one, you know, you go 1978 and then we go back to 1921. Yeah, it's not obvious. Then we're 1952. No. So, there's some sort of internal logic. Yes. Stories. So, did you take a break in between yeah. each one? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I did and sometimes I didn't. Uh, and I didn't, I think I, I read. I think I read I read the first one. I'd read it before I got the book, mm. so I haven't. Right. I didn't go back and read it again. Um, and then I think I read the first. Then I read th two, three, and four. Mm -hmm. And then I sort of t went backwards and forwards a bit. Mm. I didn't yeah, I, mean, I don't know why she them sequentially. Why she chose depending that on what I felt like reading. I mean, maybe it was just the, maybe she's done it in, like, to give maximum variety, but that's me just speculating, I have no idea. Yeah. There might, there might be more to it. There might be some might internal logic that, that she knows, but it wasn't apparent. Yeah. I mean, those three that I've picked out, the, the Molyus, August and Soft Ground, they're the ones that have stuck with me afterwards, and the other one that stuck me, with me is The Sting. Have you read The Sting? Event? Yes, um, the sting. Not yet. That, not yet. That's quite disturbing. Yeah, okay. it is. Um, uh, that's something that's that's too. Yeah, <laughs> I think the first one really stood out for me. Anyway, I thought that image of like pulling out the glass and then um, you know. Yeah, uh, and she she thinks to, she's got it all, and the doctor says, "No, yeah, there's a really big lump right here." Yeah, so you yeah. just sort of. I mean, I think that what, to the what I was looking for as well was connections with kind of historical events. Mm -hmm. And I think that, and some of them seem to have an obvious connection, like yeah. I think the sting takes place post-1917 re 
revolution, yeah. you know, when they had the Civil War, and hence that would, between the Whites and the Reds, and that, and I don't, can't remember where Estonia stood, whether they were pro-Russian or pro-Bolshevik or anti-Bolshevik, mm. but some of them, I, I, like the one set in Poland, 1955, mm. I was trying to... You know, when I was reading it, I was half thinking, oh, this is during the war in the ghetto. Mm. But, but it wasn't, it was 19, no, 1966. Mm. And I was trying to think, I was going to go back to Google and see what happened in 1966. Mm. Historically, there was something... Often the, the date is after the big event as well, so just Googling yeah. the date can tell you sort of yeah. broadly what was happening, but, I but not necessarily I didn't get around the to doing it. No. And like the one set in the Philippines, which I actually quite liked because I thought it was rather humorous, yeah. actually. <laughs> which one's that one? Uh, must be one of the later stories. Yeah, it's one of the later ones. Uh, Pilgrimage in Light. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah, it's about this guy who becomes a healer. Mm. Uh, oh, thought, with the um, yeah. psychic surgeon yeah, yeah, in the I first thought, scene. I thought, it, I thought it was quite humorous, actually. Yeah. Um, there were some, some moments of... Of lightness, where um, where um, the others making comments about his supposed sexual yeah. prowess when yeah. really he's not particularly yeah. uh, reliable. Uh, whereas the other ones weren't particularly. I mean, humour wasn't mm. there, that light. No, <laughs> no, it's not a funny collection. But also, the one set in New Zealand obviously must have. I felt it had a connection to some kind of utopian group or something, but mm. I obviously didn't. I. Know Which I didn't know about. Research, research. Yeah. research after didn't to work out what give it extra. I sort of read the story and sort of worked that out yeah. and saw what happened. The ones that in New Zealand it, um, made me think about Sarah Drummond's book, The Sound, yeah. um, with all the sealers and the um, their clashes with the Maori people. Mm. And I think that's a similar sort of time, but the sound is slightly later mm. towards the the nineteen hundreds yeah. rather than eighteen eighty one, like the story. But yeah. that sort of period of, yeah. of explorers yeah. and, and sealers yeah. from European countries being in the area, but the, the Maori way of life still being largely undisturbed. Yeah, um, yeah I recently yeah. read Annie Prue's Barkskins, okay. uh, oh, yeah. and um, towards the end of that, one of the uh, Native Americans ends up in New Zealand mm -hmm. in where they're sort of uh, doing timber felling. Mm. And it also reminded me a bit of that kind of thing as well. Um, that sort of conflict between the uh, between the Maoris and the the indigenous people and the the uh, white the mm. Europeans, I guess. Did anything that any of you read in these stories make you question something that you thought you knew about any of these historical events? Did they have presented different set of facts or point of view? Well, like you said, I think a few of them, like The Circle and the Equator, um, quite a few of the books I read I didn't even know about the history around them. Okay. So in that way it was sort of almost like an education, but I'll have to go and Google it to check yeah. what's, mm -hmm. what's fact and what's fiction kind of thing. Um, and do you think you will go and look up some of the events now having read the stories? Yeah, I mean, I, I already did when I was some of the, like, even reading where the story was set, I had to go and look it up yep. and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. What about anybody else? Oh, possibly.
possibly um, because it time periods are all over the place. Yeah. I just found it really interesting the way you know because we talk about that um, common theme I guess around disease or dis disability then um, the health professionals in the stories you know over time was yeah. kind of you think oh yeah, that's right we haven't been able to really. Uh, uh, help people with modern modern medicine for mm. very long when you think about it. So there was lots of um, situations where people were getting less than like a, a different kind of care than they would get now. I guess mm. is the obvious, but but more than that, they were in circumstances where they um, just getting it's pretty rough and ready. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah, but I suppose it, it's a bit like, you know, if you went to Yemen or if you went to Syria and you were with medicine and stuff on Yeah, that, you see that that's now. the kind of situation. So it's not exactly, you know, like uh, accessing medical care in a sort of peaceful, mm. affluent uh, country like Australia or... And maybe so. that's why she's very deliberately not included any stories that are set in Western yeah. uh, uh, places that yeah. resemble where we are now. Yeah, I, I, I would say that, that that's a deliberate choice, mm. that otherwise it would jar, don't you think, mm. if you had a story mm. about suburban Sydney or... Mm. Yeah. So, so in that sense, I think that the collection has got a unity. Mm. Um, you know, that, that, that unifies it as much as all those other themes. That, yeah. That it is. I wouldn't be surprised if her PhD had been on something like the history of medicine in times of conflict or something like that, because that is something that crops up I think at multiple she said points. Her interest was now. Where was it said? Somewhere that her interest was to do with, you know, sort of post-Soviet or post. Uh, I can't remember now. One I did go and look up yep. on the web was number eight, the Tiflis Papers, mm -hmm. because I, I thought it was fascinating and I thought it was a very successful story. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought it must have been based on, on some historical... Is that about the, the man who goes out to make the recordings of yeah, the, that's the right. different it cultural have, events I mean, and disappears? this um, Edinburgh... Sorry, the gramophone company obviously mm. existed. Mm. So I looked it up and I looked up uh, things about Russia and so mm. on, but I couldn't find anything that... And I looked up this Alexander Aitken, but uh, there wasn't a historical... So he's person. a fictionalised yeah, version. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Mm. But I was trying to find out, well, obviously it's, it, it's based on, you know, on historical material uh, because, I mean... Even if she visited some of the places, you know, yeah. she couldn't reconstruct that. Mm. Um, uh, but I couldn't really find anything um, apart from the fact that the gramophone company did exist. Mm -hmm. um, so there's just enough of a kernel of fact yeah, that you can right, find that right. keeps your interest. Yeah, level and, there. and it would, I thought it would have been interesting in, in the sometimes in the acknowledgement yep. if people use particular historical. Uh, either primary or secondary texts, There's you know, a that scientist, and yeah. because it's always, uh, and I thought it would be interesting if she did get it from some particular place. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, if that had been cited. But then Earlier in the year we did um, The Love of a Bad Man by Laura Elizabeth Woollett and they're all historical stories based around um, murderers and serial killers throughout history and in the back there is a little biography mm. of each of mm. the people um, which was really fascinating. You read this story and you mm. get inside the head of either the victim or the killer and then mm. you can go back and see they were caught or they weren't caught mm. or they're in jail or they've died or it was just really fascinating to mm. add that layer of, of the truth. Yeah. But what slightly creepy. Me is I would have liked to have seen how, you yeah. know, if the source was there to see how she translated okay. it, you know, into a, into a work of fiction. And do you have a history background, Rita? Sorry? Do you have a history background yourself? Uh, no, I don't, I don't have a formal history background, no. but I'm very interested in history. Yeah, yeah. so this is a, a collection that um, has a bit of a crossover appeal as well. Um, short stories are often a bit of a niche and they mostly appeal to writers, but mm. having that element of history as well would mean that maybe some mm. people who are interested in the history of particularly the 20th century, I would say, might find a reason mm. to pick this up and read at least a few of the stories. Um, yeah, I think it's a bit different to anything else that I've ever read before, particularly in that short fiction market. Mm. There's not a lot of people working with history mm. in the short form. It must be very hard to do in a small number of words. Yeah, yeah. she did it that incredibly well. Yeah. You know? She mm. really took you to those places, I felt, mm. um, transported to those scenes and those settings, and I really felt that they were, yeah, they were really well described. Yeah. Mm. I think particularly that, I mean, it's a real take on the medical history, isn't it? Like you said, that's probably the subject of her PhD thesis. Mm. But there was all sorts of, you know, I was trying to say before about the not being modern medicine, but also the ethical, there was, there's medical standards, but then there's the ethical standards, mm. which we wouldn't tolerate today, that were, you know, she's walked across some different ethical issues mm. there, hasn't she, with in terms of care and... Can you think of some examples? Well, definitely the one about the... Um, the um, the sting the sting yeah, yeah. Oh, well that was yes that was, that was the that was pretty bad so without the doctor injects yeah exactly the, the I mean in the sting the but title that, comes from the fact very that very extreme situation like post yeah. Hiroshima perhaps that was, I mean the sting is, is different yeah it's it's, it's a that's a different predator. sort of line yeah which uh, very relevant to today's news headlines that's right. <laughs> But yeah, on the other hand, you know the Hiroshima one. You felt that he was, it was really defensible trying. in a yeah. sense yeah. because he did it out of compassion and well, well what it, else could you do in those? It was sort of a hopeless case, well, so he yeah. couldn't possibly do any more harm, and he might have a chance of doing Whereas, good. Whereas, I mean, you know, the Hippocratic Oath says do no harm, mm. um, and probably the um, the woman in Hiroshima was going to die anyway because mm -hmm. of. of uh, the atomic blast, but uh, in the sting, I mean, he deliberately infected her wound by... Yeah. She kind of encouraged well, that a yes. little bit, didn't I she? Mean, it, 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 it explored that ambivalent yeah. um, relationship, didn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so there were a lot of ethical questions in that. There's probably also... Um, um, like we haven't talked at all about soft ground, which mm. is the one set in Berlin, yeah. with the man who's returned from the oh yeah, war that was kind of a bit confronting with the yeah, uh, and he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, you sort so of the whole time pretty you much. You sort of as a reader, you kind of get the signals that something's up. Like this yeah. guy is a bit too friendly and all this, so you yeah. kind of get the vibe that something's going to go wrong. Yeah. yeah, 
and he's continually putting off seeing his the what the lady that he was meant to be going back to or proposing to or whatever. Yeah. Do you yeah, think she was there. actually going to be there when he got there? Well, no, that was a whole other thing. No, he yeah, we weren't sure about that. So, well, yeah. it's nineteen twenty one, so he's yeah. he'd imaginably be back for. A couple of years at least. Bird trip, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. there was a description early on where they focused on his shoes mm. being the same old shoes, and then he looks at the way that the, the man on the train is dressed, and he's dressed really well. And so immediately you think, what kind of person in 1921 in Berlin can afford to dress in new shoes and new clothes? Mm. And we thought he was going to be a robber. He was going to take this guy somewhere and beat him up and take his money. Okay. Um, I did not see what happened happening at mm. that point in the story. Um, so she sort of keeps you in the dark while the character's mm. in the dark and slowly brings in more and more pieces of the puzzle. That one was another one that had a slightly unreal feel to it, though. It was kind of like a nightmare where things just keep getting progressively weirder mm. and weirder. You know that reminded me of um, Waking Fright, mm. that story. Have you read Waking Fright? No. It's Kenneth Cook. Oh, I've seen the film. Yeah, it's um, a famous Australian story and it's mm. been made into a film twice now, a remake mm-hmm. as well, and, or a re-edit of the original. But it's about a school teacher that goes out to this really remote, remote railway siding town to do their country posting. Must be set in the 1930s, 20s, uh, 40s, in the 60s. 60s. I thought 60s, 60s, 60s yeah. sorry. 60s. And, and then um, he goes to, so there's very remote, he's just the one town, one, one pub, one house, school. Mm. Um, and then he goes to go home on the holidays and he just gets diverted and, okay. and you know, it's like he's, he's not going to get home for the holidays and you just... Things just keep happening to yeah, keep, keep from happening. Getting there. It's like this innocent, in some ways. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is a degree of that in soft ground, you know. Oh, let's go and have a drink. Oh, here's my friend, he's talking to us. And now yeah. the friend has a little girl with him, and it just keeps adding more and more yeah. um, strange people coming into the, the conversation that our main character doesn't know why they're being introduced to him until it's too late almost. Yes. Um, and again, that one has a, a kind of a, a moral line that is almost crossed, but not quite in this one. Yeah. There's a situation where he could cross a moral line. Yeah, he's already kind of lost his way completely. And yeah, it's just yeah. weird the way to read it, like you as like I as a reader was positioned, that you mm. sort of dragged along in this story that's going getting worse and worse. Yeah. The person, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting and, story. And also this chap, like he is, um, he's shell-shocked or he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's tr- suffering yeah. post-traumatic stress or something we would call it these days. And, and disfigured. And disfigured. Yeah. And this, he's um, finally plucking up the courage to go and visit the yeah. girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So he's um, like moved out of the home and he's being exploited or he's being manipulated yeah but he always kind of lets himself as well it's kind of a weird mm. yeah it's just setting this fear he's not innocent you know not completely and he's obviously not the first person to fall for it I, this is a practiced routine you think you know how many poor yeah, returned soldiers have well fallen for this before yeah yeah mm-hmm. yes so um I mean, there's a story in there about Hiroshima, August. Yvette, you were here last month when we talked about Nam Lee's collection, The Boat, which also had a story about Hiroshima. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see any similarities or any comparisons between the two 
stories. So which one? Namely. In Namely's collection, the boat. There's a story. Oh, I think right, the story right. is actually called Hiroshima. I'm just trying to think what happens in that now. That's the that. one where the little girl is at her school, and it's the lead up to the bomb going off. She's thinking about will she ever see her family again? Yeah. Whereas this is immediately after. Um, but they're both from the point of view of Japanese people, so getting inside the minds of people who were in Hiroshima at the time and yeah. their lives are just completely ripped apart. There's a before and an after um, and things are never going to be the same. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there was... Yeah, they sort of told the same story, but the style of the Nam Lee one was... The, the style of writing was very different where he used mm. this sort of writing structure where the it, there were very short sentences and uh, mm. it was written very differently than the other story. It's hard to explain, but it was mm. a... Whereas this was more of a story style. The writing yeah. style didn't change. Like, the narration didn't change so much, but mm. it still showed that kind of, mm. yeah, innocence lost and all this sort of I thing. find it interesting um, that most short stories I've come across about Hiroshima are written from the point of view of Japanese people, but by people who were on the side of the people who dropped the bombs, and I wonder if there's an element of trying to appease guilt, guilt. yeah mm. yeah I don't, I'm trying to think if any Japanese writers have written about uh, possibly not in short stories that have come here mm, and been made known novels mm. uh, no, I mean I've not, the, not those that I've read but what it yeah. made me think of is um, there was a film made in the late 60s or early 70s called Hiroshima Mon Amour by Alan yeah. Alain Rene, and based on uh, the script was written, well it was based, it might have been based on a novel by Marguerite Durand okay. and um, I went back and read the introduction, sort of the, the storyline behind it rather, which is, it's basically about this um, woman who's an artist of some kind who goes to Japan and meets a Japanese man and has an affair with him, but there's during at the end during the Second World War she was she had a German lover mm. and she was caught out and she was um, you know it was a great shame to her family and she her head was shaved and mm. um, and she had to go and hide in a kind of a cellar you know so the shame was brought on the family and the lover was killed. Mm. Um, because he was a young man as well. And um, when uh, the town was liberated, she was allowed to leave and she went to Paris. And she got to Paris um, when the bomb was dropped in Hiroshima. Mm. Um, and so for her, Hiroshima always meant something positive because she got she to Paris. She got away in time. But when she went to, uh, to Japan and saw and went to Hiroshima, she saw, you know, what a terrible thing it was. And mm. she was trying to reconcile some of that. Yeah. I think it would be incredibly difficult to write a story from the point of view of uh, the American military or the president and justifying it without making your character seem totally abhorrent. Mm. Uh, well, I, yeah. Well, uh, surely there must be books written by Japanese people from their point of view. We just don't... Get Where the Americans are translated. just completely evil. Well, yeah, well, I mean, Shirley just, has its great fire. Oh, I suppose, okay. 
But I, I think I, it's a name. I, I'm trying to... That was sort think, of post-war recovery yeah, more than... Yeah, uh, but it doesn't... I can't remember if it actually goes into details about Hiroshima. I don't think it does. I think it's it's more about post-war. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's in the immediate aftermath of... Oh, during the occupation. Of, of America, the American yeah. occupation. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've but, definitely read um, some poems because my boyfriend went to Hiroshima and... Um, there's a guy that he's still a survivor. He's a, mm. still alive from having lived through that, and he has written poems about it. He's quite well known, apparently. Yeah. So that's mm. poems, not short stories, but I imagine um, it would be something that you know it's become part of the cultural identity of of Japan is writing about the trauma from so that event. But it's the same as you know um, novels written after uh, September 11. Uh, pretty much all American novels written after September 11 makes some sort of reference to it. Mm. Um, I'm thinking there's a Don DeLillo collection of short stories that um, has a a piece in it that's called... I can't remember now, but it's about about the shrapnel um, Mm. and he uses a double meaning. But, you know, there's some reference in in lots and lots of American novels that even if the book is not a 9-11 novel, Mm. there's some sort of reference to the changing mindset. Yeah, such an important event in... Yeah. yeah, you know, you can sort of divide um, the cultural identity into pre and post that event. I imagine it's very similar um, looking at books written before and after Hiroshima for a lot of Japanese people. Mm-hmm. It's just not something that you can pretend didn't happen and mm-hmm. no. you know, continue on as normal. Mm. Um, and I guess that can be said for a lot of the events in this book. They're all turning points for the mindsets of the people mm. going through these events. Yeah. Okay, well, we're getting close to the end of our time. So um, one final question. Would we say that uh, these stories are more character-driven or more plot-driven? Wow. I think it's a really hard call. Hello, I was thinking That's about it. That's my first it. answer. But yeah? Yeah, thinking about it too much. I'm trying to think now. Like not fully either, but not one or the other? <laughs> I don't think they're basically plot-driven. No. But I wouldn't say they're character-driven either. No, no, I agree. I, don't I think, think they're, they're like history-driven. They're, they're, they're kind of mixed, uh, in a sense, circumstance-driven. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're all sort of snapshots of a particular time and yeah. place, but they don't necessarily have a story with a beginning, middle and end. Actually, you don't necessarily see the character develop. That circumstance might be a good way to describe yeah. them. Yeah. Because they're almost like, I've, just, I've got all these bits and pieces in my mind I'm going to just describe these circumstances to you yeah. and that's what they are circumstances that involved some characters in in some an, an unusual setting yeah yeah um and we ha- and she hasn't even she which I quite like she hasn't made them didactic and she hasn't no. really over drawn out the sort of medical mm. ethical sort of themes but they're all there you know so I guess yeah. that for me they were I really like short stories where I read a story and then I put the book down and I go and do other things for a few days and I'm still thinking about it. You yeah. know? So that, to me, is a successful story. Yeah. And I felt like a lot of these stories were like those, mm-hmm. like that. Mm. So I think one of the things that I've been hearing from all of you is that she's sort of broken the rules that we've been taught about how to write short stories, but she's done it extremely well. Um, but there are no rules. No, they're not. You have to learn 
some rules before you, you start breaking them. Successful at breaking them. Exactly. Yeah. So do you think short stories are normally character or plot driven, rather than this is kind of more a bit of both? It depends or? on the writer, but this is the first time I've well, come across a collection like this. Okay. Be, well, hmm. I mean, traditionally short stories were very plot driven. Yeah. Like, oh, Henry's stinging the tail. Like, I remember mm. the one in our school anthologies, the woman who wanted to buy her husband, uh, give her husband a birth. A Christmas present, and she didn't have any money, so she went and cut her hair, and her husband didn't like it. <laughs> okay, so yeah. Um, but, you know, but modern short stories tend to be, you know, quite. Yeah. You know, sort of, they can virtually have no plot, can't they? Yeah, yeah. there are some like that, definitely. I yeah. feel like I'm usually more interested in character stories, but I enjoy this. Yeah. So character driven stories, sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, the characters were strong enough to engage you. But they weren't really but deep. But they weren't... Like, and they didn't change much dominate. over time. Yeah. They didn't really go on a journey, you're right. Yeah. Some of them did. Well, like the first one, the girl goes on Yeah, they did. In terms of yeah. lifespan, but not in terms of character, except for... Well, she does learn. She does go through a major understanding change, a shift from being a child and not mm. to, like... Yeah, I guess that, that to oh, show okay. real change in that one, you'd have to write a novel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess some of them could be novels, couldn't they? Could be the whole yeah, movie. Yeah, expanded. Mm -hmm. I think I'd probably read a whole novel, um, maybe on the Molus, um, but there would have to be a lot more plot to it, rather than just his growing paranoia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would get annoying after a yeah. while. Yeah. Great. Okay. Does anyone have any final comments that they'd like to make? Just one. I was really surprised when I read the acknowledgements at the end that her mum is Gail Jones. Oh, okay. And I thought, well, I know you don't want to make a big deal out of that, but yeah. I mean, she comes from like writing royalty. Yeah. yeah, and in some ways, they're not. You know, Gail Jones often draws on historical. Yeah, she does. Well. Yeah. So. So it's something that. Is in their household from when the author was growing well, I mean, up, maybe. Kira's a, a historian, so. Yeah. Yes, um, but yes, I think when I saw that, because I was thinking, wow, this is an amazing collection for a first time author. Yes. Um, yes, she's got a PhD in history, but how do you write stories so well mm. when you. But she, I think, I, I would say that she's done a lot of work on them and she's probably got some good advice as mm. well. Yeah. So um, hats off to her. I think mm. she's yeah. really done a great job um, and they not... haven't marketed as being the, the new book by no, Gail no, Jones' no. daughter she's done it on her own steam as well and that's just a little nugget in there for anybody who cares to but read the acknowledgements that, yeah 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 yeah. Um, yeah and it doesn't in any way distract from the, her no, achievements no. absolutely not no I think some people cash in on their their literary connections but she's definitely done it all on her own so yeah, yeah. I mean, I've already read one of Gail Jones's books. Um, Which one? It was set in... It was the one where, like, it's their group of friends. They're, they have some, like, interest in one particular author. And oh, is that the most recent time. one? Yeah. I can't remember what that's called either. Which one um, is that? Guide to Berlin. That's the one, Guide yeah, to Berlin. Yeah, it. I read it a while, a while ago. Is that the one where they're talking about Nabokov? Nabokov. Okay, yeah. yeah. I didn't really know who that person was. He wrote Lolita. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so he wrote Lolita. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Anyway, I, uh, that, sorry, I my point with that was that um, was that it was that 
story seemed quite different from Kyra's story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The but on the other hand, I just couldn't get interested in the characters in Glide to Berlin. I'd okay. been to Berlin, you know, about six months earlier, so I was oh, very wow. interested in reading it. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't spent long. I was there as a tourist. I wasn't there, yeah. you know, sort of yeah. for ages. Um, but, and I liked Berlin, but I, I couldn't. I got halfway through and I thought, oh, I'm not interested in these characters and <laughs> what they're up to, so I stopped reading it. So maybe it would have been better as a short story? Might have been better as a short story. Okay, maybe. well I think that's probably a good note to end on, but thank you all very much for joining me this evening. I think we've had a pretty good discussion. Um, and for anyone who's interested, I will be continuing doing this podcast um, going forward monthly at the end of the month, but I'll probably be recording it in my home office um, and next month I'm thinking that we're going to be doing um, Helen Garner's collected work of fiction that's just come out oh. it's you know her whole back catalogue including postcards from surfers um, and I think it's called stories and there's also a big blue volume called true stories which is all her non-fiction but we won't so, be tackling so that, that what's come out recently? that's what's yeah. come out recently yeah so that'll be end of December thanks everybody <laughs>